Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Talk Radio 77 WABC. He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night. John Katsimatidis here. It's uh, Monday morning already, and uh, we have a great show for you today. This is a TriCast, AM 970, The Answer, WABC 770, and WLIR. And in the studio, we have a common-sense Democrat, Judge Richard Weinberg, a common-sense Republican, Congressman Peter John. King, and my sidekick, <laughs> uh, Lydia Serrano. Lydia, we got a great show. Absolutely. Reunited, and it feels so good. We were on this morning. I don't know where you get the energy, John Katzmatidis. We have a great show. We're going to have Bill O'Reilly, as we always do every Monday. Then we'll have Michael Goodwin. He's a Pulitzer Prize-winning writer for the New York Post. He's going to tell us all about that Iran deal and why it is bad news. Bert Flickinger, he'll be on with us again, talking about inflation and what we can expect. Chris McGrath, he is the former president of the Nassau County Bar Association. Association. So we'll be talking about SCOTUS and more. And John Solomon will have the latest breaking news for us from justthenews.com. But first, let's go to Bill O'Reilly. He's on the line with us right now. Bill O'Reilly, hopefully you had a, a lovely weekend. Lovely? Uh, I don't know if I've ever had a lovely weekend. <laughs> not, let me think back. You know, I'm having Solomon on uh, on Common Sense tonight at 9 o'clock, also on WABC. He's getting a lot of airtime on. Um, and I talked to him about the uh, situation going forward with um, linking Joe Biden, the president, with his son, Hunter Biden, and what the odds are that that might happen. And it's an interesting conversation, so I'm glad you guys are having him on as well. He knows about it, much about this as anybody on the planet, I think, this Hunter Biden situation. I gave uh, John Solomon my opinion, I think, the uh, in this morning I talked about it. I think with Hunter Biden, they're just going to hit him with the IRS, uh, make him pay the taxes on whatever money he didn't pay taxes on, and um, that'll be it. I think he's going down. Well, well you know, the grand jury is uh, interesting. So that might be what the attorney general would want to do, Garland. But he didn't really have sway over uh, the folks on the uh, grand jury. So they'll make the call on whether Hunter gets indicted or not. Um, it's a long stretch to think that Joe Biden will get dragged in it. But, you know, from the laptop and, and the things that Hunter Biden himself wrote, certainly he's implying that, you know, his father benefited financially from his overseas deals. Um, but, you know, then you have to ask the question, well, did Hunter Biden write it when he was on crack? I mean, does he know what he's talking about? Because the guy's obviously trouble. So you have to give him due process. But it's a fascinating story because it's almost like the Spiro Agnew thing. Remember Spiro? He would have been so, president. Yeah. So when Spiro was vice president, he was still taking some uh, money from the uh, Maryland contractors. And he was still flowing in, and that's why they had to boot him. Now, um, he pled uh, no contest, not guilty, but they got him. And, you know, this is uh, almost the same allegation that Joe Biden, while he was vice president under Obama, benefited from his son's overseas deals. That's the allegation. Long way, but not impossible. What they can do, Bill, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. What they can do is they can indict the son and they can uh, name uh, an unnamed co-conspirator. If they want to go that way. Yeah, but then in the trial, judges, you will know, uh, you know, even if Hunter Biden doesn't testify, there's going to be all kinds of people come on in and people that Joe Biden has had dealings with. So it, it's not a good thing. Which is why, which is the why they'll offer him a deal and a cop will get it. As you pointed out, 
uh, a no contest, what we call a nola contendere plea, not admitting anything but saying there's no contest, so there won't be a trial. That's the strategy on on the White House. But then, then Hunter would have to do some time, right? Well, it's up to whatever the guidelines, the federal guidelines are for that. And But yeah, I but think – I disagree with John Casmatidis. I think this is a lot bigger than just paying some money to, to the IRS. Yeah, because of the grand jury component. Exactly right. Right. Because they can't control that politically. And But it's interesting. I, I raised this question that uh, this football player, um, Deshaun uh, – what's his last name? Watson. Um, they – you know, all of these people – thought that he was going to go down with the grand jury. Grand jury came back, no. So it's not a lock just because there's a grand jury whether you get an indictment or not. That's exactly correct. Even though the former chief judge of the state of New York used to say a grand jury would endorse, indict a, a ham sandwich, it's not always correct. I agree not, with you. No longer. It was a lot easier back then because now, you know, you have a, a lot of politics involved in this kind of stuff, which – you know, with the Bidens, I mean, you don't get any higher than that. Well, speaking of politics, Governor Hochul, it looks like there might be a crack in the armor in Albany that she might be. What is it, John? A 10 point uh, plan for the bail reform to reform the bail reform. Do you think it's possible that it'll happen, Bill O'Reilly? Well, we talked about this last Monday um, and it was interesting to uh, hear Governor Patterson last Monday on WABC say the reason that Hochul put this in a budget was to give the far left people cover. Now they can vote for the budget at the same time, vote for bail reform because they don't want to do that on its own. Um, but, you know, you have a, an outcry among the citizenry of New York State, very intense outcry. And Hogel's got to know that maybe she could squeak it out, but there could be a lot of far left legislators going down on this no bail thing. So she's got to uh, do something. So, yes, I would say that this is going to happen and that the situation is not going to be entirely cleaned up, but it'll be better. But then you have these judges. I mean, you know, every day you, you see, you know, people getting um, not punished for very heinous crimes because the individual judges simply won't do it. So I, I think that the whole state is in a a place now, a bad place as far as the justice system is concerned. Just this weekend alone in New York City, we had 29 shootings and 24 separate incidents. John, I mean, at what point do the leaders have to wake up? Well, I think they, they're starting to realize, they're starting to fear the common sense class, mm-hmm. the common sense Democrats, Republicans, versus fearing the the few left, common, uh, you know, uh, people. you got to notice something, you know, uh, uh, Mayor Adams put his foot down, mm-hmm. and have you seen anybody uh, criticize him from uh, uh, the woke culture? You're right. No, maybe they maybe they realize that time is up. Maybe. You know, uh, Adams is running around. He went to Chicago to talk about guns, but not the people who use the guns. And now I thought that was very interesting, and I I do this tonight on Common Sense. This is my opening monologue on uh, the show tonight, at nine o'clock. Um, so and, he, and he went to Miami, too. Yeah. So Adam basically uh, doing this to try to take some of the heat off the people who are actually using the guns. So if you look at the FBI statistics, which are always very interesting, the overwhelming amount of what they call gun crimes, they never call it gun criminals ever. It's always gun crimes are African-American. <clears throat> and you funnel it down into 16 to 24, 25. You know, that's the the zone, those young males, never women. Isn't that interesting? Gun crimes and women hardly exist. With like knives. You... Yeah. <laughs> is that, is that supposed to make us feel thank better, you. Lydia? Uh, I, I can never say that, Lydia, but thank you for saying that. Um, but that's the zone. And see, that's a real hot zone for uh, Mayor Adams. He doesn't want to get into that. But if you really um, want to solve the problem, and actually Bill Barr writes about this in his book, which I've read, which is almost impossible to read, by the way. I mean, they ought to just shoot the editor, pardon the pun, who put that book together. It's so hard to read it. You know, but there's some very good nuggets in the book. And Barr says, 
you know, the analysis Justice Department did it, it's only four or five percent that are using the guns to terrorize the rest of the country. And they're all in these gangs. Yet if you say that, then you're a racist. Um, But if you attack those gangs and the structure of the gangs, and Barr has a whole bunch of data in there, um, then you break the back of that violent gun criminality. But again, the politicians won't do it because if you do it, you have to point the finger at a certain racial group and they don't want to do it. You could investigate and prosecute them under the laws on criminal enterprise. That's right, Rico. That's exactly right. You don't even have to do that because all the cops know who they are. It's not like the, the NYPD doesn't know where the gangs are and who's in the gangs. They know. It's just that they can't stop and frisk them because they'll get it thrown out. And that's what they used to do. That's what Giuliani and Bratton and Ray Kelly and, and Bloomberg, that's how they drove that violent crime down, is every time these guys would walk out of the house, there'd be a cop following them and, and turn around and boom, up against the wall. And so they couldn't carry the guns because they knew if they did, they're going to go up state for five to ten years. But then they knocked all that out. And then you saw the jump in what Mayor Adams would call gun crime, not, not gun criminality, which is what he been, should be saying. And instead of saying gang shooting, they now say mass shootings. Have you noticed that in the media as well? No, I didn't notice that. Is that what they're doing yeah, now? Yeah, mass shootings. That's what they call them now, mass shootings. If you see it in Atlanta, Miami. No. And let's let's talk about the border. You know, you got MS-13, Congressman King, I know was a huge problem on Long Island, and then it got basically nipped in the bud. And it's going to happen all over again. Yeah, it was actually put down. You know, many were locked up and put away, and the others were in hiding, but they're there. And all you need is any kind of reinforcements to come in or have a, uh, a lessening of pressure, and they'll strike again. Well, you know, the border is so bad, and that we don't get a lot of that up here in New York. Um, but the narcotics coming across the border is at record levels now. Record levels. And you're talking fentanyl and uh, heroin and methamphetamine. And they say, well, there's 120,000 deaths a year from drug overdoses. It's triple that, at least, because a lot of people die from narcotics, but they don't put it down as an OD. But their heart gives out or they have some kind of other AIDS or, you know, that kind of a thing. So Biden's open border policy, which has now been totally blown away because of Ukraine, so people don't even talk about the border anymore. But in February, there were record what they call encounters by Border Patrol down uh, in February. They had never seen more people encountering the Border Patrol. And it's not because the Border Patrol is swarming. It's because there's so many people coming over. And a percentage of those people, of course, are carrying narcotics. And, and under Trump, The Mexicans were actually cooperating in trying to dismantle the cartels. But as soon as Trump left office, that was over. Obrador said no more cooperation. They're not cooperating with the cartel investigations with the USA. And that's why one of the reasons, in addition to Biden's open border policy, you have this enormous surge. And a lot of this junk winds up on the streets of New York, which drives the drug gangs to kill each other to control territory. So it's all linked together. And uh, Biden has just cut in in his budget proposals. Biden has cut border security monies. You say, but he's not enforcing he's not enforcing immigration law at all. Exactly right. So when you do that, when you don't enforce it, then the Border Patrol becomes overwhelmed by human beings. So they, they, they can't even try to interdict narcotics because all day long they're processing people who are coming across the border, human beings that have to be processed. And, Bill, apart from narcotics, like we did a terrible violence on Long Island back in 24 – before Donald Trump got involved, we had 25 murders in 18 months in my district alone. And we haven't had one since then. Since Trump got involved with the FBI and the DEA and all of them going all out, it worked. But, again, yeah, that because was very they, spring. The Trump administration put pressure on the individual com- uh, countries. 
And they also swamped Suffolk County when through he turned them loose in Suffolk County and they got the job done. And these gangsters, they always kill their own people, right? It was the, the most and of them MS-13 were. MS-13 was killing all immigrants. No, no white non-immigrant was hurt by MS-13. They most, went after their own. And, yeah. and they keep talking to the Democrat. I don't want to say de- uh, regressives uh, about uh, black and brown right. suspects and shooters. What about the black and brown victims? Because they make up the majority of victims. Well, according to Barr in his book, uh, one of the big revenue generators for MS-13 is extortion of other Salvadorans and other Central Americans. So they, you open a business, a bodega, a deli, these guys walk in and say, you know, we'll take 10% every month to have the check, the check, have the cash ready, or, you know, we're going to chop you up or burn down your store. So that's how the poor people are being impacted. And that happens in New York City as well. You go to any bodega, and if the guy will talk to you off the record, he'll tell you, yeah. he's got to pay. He's got to pay these people. They come walking in, they go, look, you pay, or we know where your daughter goes to school. Bill, Bill O'Reilly, uh, what are you going to be talking about on uh, Monday through Friday between 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock on WABCradio.com, 770 on the AM dial? What are you going to talk about? Well, the uh, Ukraine story is still a big story. And uh, the shift in Putin's military tactics is uh, what I lead with tonight after I deal with the local situation and uh, Mayor Adams and the guns. So Putin um, has realized now that he's not going to be able to physically occupy Ukraine. And what he's trying to do is make it so painful for the Ukrainians by blowing up all the buildings and, and having artillery and air just destroy the infrastructure. He wants to make that um, so Zelensky will give him uh, 20, 25 percent of the country, just uh, like they did with Crimea. Russia would annex it. That's what's happening now. So in the beginning, Putin thought he might be able to occupy the entire country. That's not going to happen now because he's losing too many people, uh, the world, you know, squeezing him economically. So he wants to do is, you know, up the pain point so that Zelensky comes and gives them um, part of the country. So that is our lead story. Tonight. I will be listening at nine o'clock tonight. Thank you for everything you do. And you speak out for our country. God bless you. and God bless America. And I'll be listening tonight. Thank and you. I want to mention his book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. That's your 11th book in your multi-million selling killing series. So I'm, I'm sure it'll be just as good as the last one, Killing Killing the Mob. Do you got Putin in this latest one? Because he's quite the terrorist now. Yeah, no, we don't have Putin in there. We, uh, But this is the best reporting I've ever done in my career, this book. It's really worth uh, everybody checking out. It comes out again May 3rd. Thanks for mentioning it. Always fun talking to you guys. Thank you. you. Bye. Let's go now to Lydia with John Solomon. And on the line with us right now is John Solomon of JustTheNews.com, intrepid investigative reporter. John Solomon, what do you have for us? What a busy day, the first day of the uh, Supreme Court nomination hearings for Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Kind of went according to script. Uh, Democrats said that she was a great scholar, worthy of being the first African-American woman appointed to the court. And that this is an important thing, that she wouldn't be a rubber stamp for President Biden's liberal policies, that she would uh, enforce the law, not political motives. Republicans uh, scored some points in the other direction. They began to take a look at some of the reduced sentences she handed out to sex offenders, some of the writings that she had about child sex offenders, and also uh, things that she said about the government's right to prosecute, detain terrorists. And, and they building a case that maybe she will be soft on crime, soft on illegal immigration. And then there were some suggestions that before the hearing's over, we might hear a little bit about her views on critical race theory, which, as we know, is pretty unpopular in America and helped propel uh, Governor Glenn Youngkin to the uh, win in Virginia last year. So that was a big moment. Meanwhile, President Biden is getting ready to go to Poland, get near the war zone, try to prop up our allies in Eastern Europe. And today he put out a very ominous warning, saying that he has good intelligence to suggest that the Russians are soon to attack the United States with a oh wave of God. cyber attacks. Cyber attacks. Cyber attacks. See, we stay on the sidelines, we still get attacked, right? So um, uh, he, he asked all of meanwhile, the private business. Meanwhile, uh, John Solomon... He's giving the Russians $10 billion uh, yes, to, to build a uh, reactor, a nuclear yeah, reactor in Iran. Iran. And meanwhile, uh, they had to make their payment uh, for uh, the bond payment. Russia had to make a bond payment. 
and the U.S. allowed them to take the money out of their frozen account. Yeah. No. So Listen, we've been uh, under Democratic administrations. We have been giving Russia concessions for more than a decade. Barack Trump Obama Sonder, gave what them. I said, what I said uh, this morning on the radio, I said, if two years ago, before the election, Iran, uh, Russia, and China got to decide who the next president of the United States was, they couldn't get it. They, they wouldn't be able to pick a better guy than Biden. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, his son used Russia, China, and Ukraine as a personal piggy bank, and in return, the Biden-Obama administration was very lenient with them, gave them um, uh, uh, billions of dollars of uranium contracts in the United States, allowed more oil and gas into the country, gave them some of the Skokovol technology that they now use for the hypersonic missiles. So uh, this uh, uh, policy of trying to achieve peace through appeasement has uh, been well-practiced for over a decade, and I think we're just seeing it again in the form of the Iran deal. And what about Hunter Biden? There is talk. I'm seeing a couple of analysts saying he could be indicted. Do you think that's possible while his father is the president of the United States? I think he could be challenged by the IRS. John Solomon, what do you think? Do you, uh, you know, I, it's going to be interesting to see. I am seeing activity at the grand jury consistent with the way prosecutors would be acting if they were about to bring an indictment. But, hey, very recently we saw down in Texas the prosecutors brought allegations against Deshaun Jackson to the grand jury. The grand jury declined to comment. So you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. The activity is consistent with building a criminal case. And as you know, I had a story over the weekend in which we can clearly demonstrate from the emails on the laptop that has now been confirmed to be a real laptop that Hunter Biden was told years ago he hadn't paid taxes on his Ukraine uh, money, the money he got from Burisma, and that they were scheming, talking, trying to strategize how he could avoid registering as a foreign lobbyist, even though he was contacting federal agencies and his team was contacting federal agencies on behalf of this Ukraine company. So there is evidence to suggest there might be problems in both taxes and foreign lobbying. Let's see what the prosecutors can deliver. Anything new from Durham, uh, uh, John Solomon? It's been a relatively quiet couple of weeks on the Durham front. There's, you know, a little back and forth between them and, and the lawyers for Michael Sussman, who seems to be mixing it up with the prosecutors. But it's been relatively quiet. Usually when it's quiet for a little bit, there's usually a surprise on the horizon. There is some activity going on behind the scenes, and there are some major witnesses that have struck cooperation deals with um, uh, Durham, uh, particularly those uh, former, F- some former FBI senior executives. So I'll have to see what that results in. But uh, a lot of activity, but silence on the on the talking front. Now, this Iran deal, I mean, why, why would they even do something like this? I, we had Larry Kudlow on Friday. Remember, John, what he was saying about this deal? It just blows my mind that our administration would, would be have any part in this. Yeah, listen, I had one of the proponents of the deal on my uh, show today, uh, Trita Parsi, a well-known advocate for trying to get a peace done. He said, listen, this is only going to buy us a couple of years. Don't be fooled. I'm for the deal, but it only buys us a couple of years. And Iran is really only a year away from an Iran, from a nuclear weapon. And it doesn't really matter what Joe Biden does. It just moves the can down the road a little bit. Is it really worth giving them billions of dollars propping up Russia? Uh, just to get a couple of years. I think a lot of people are going to debate that and probably say no. Well, thank you so much, John Solomon. Again, John Solomon, justthenews.com. That's justthenews.com. Thank you so much for all thank that you, you do. John. My pleasure, guys. Have a good day. And we'll be speaking more about this Iran deal with Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. His uh, premier article, Joe Biden's Iran plan is a total disaster. Can you believe that? $10 billion. And also want to make a mention of some programming coming up at 6 p.m. tonight and every weeknight. It's a five-minute news brief, the 77 WABC Evening News Brief with Bob Brown on WABCRadio.tv. Again, that's WABCRadio.tv. Get caught up on all the news from around the world, from around the block. Again, at 6 o'clock until 6.05 right here on 77 WABC Radio and WABCRadio.tv. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show on the line with us right now. Always a treat. Michael Goodwin, a Pulitzer Prize winning columnist, writer for the New York Post, is Latest article, Joe Biden's Iran plan is a total disaster. You can say that again, Michael Goodwin. How are you, sir? Uh, fine. Thank you, Lydia. $10 billion? 
Really? We're giving it to our adversary, people that want to kill us and bomb us? Well, that's one of the curious aspects of this whole crazy deal. I mean, making a new nuclear deal with Iran, in my mind, is is uh, ridiculous at any event. But to have Russia broker the uh, the talks and then to have Russia be rewarded by, um, as you say, getting uh, up to $10 billion in exemptions uh, from the Ukraine uh, sanctions uh, for any work it would do with Iran after the deal is concluded. And then finally, uh, Biden is now considering lifting the terrorist designation tag on the uh, Revolutionary Guards, which is essentially the military, but it acts as a terrorist organization. Right. And uh, it's it's uh, Soleimani, the Qasem Soleimani, was the leader of the elite uh, center core of it, uh, the Quds Force. And, uh, of course, uh, President Trump had him droned. And it's interesting that Biden said he would not have done that, that it would create too much blowback. So here and I think that's relevant to this because I think it shows how Biden acts more out of fear than he does confidence. So he was afraid that uh, killing Soleimani would lead to more terror attacks. So he would never do that kind of thing. He would always be playing defense, always waiting for the other side to act first. And I think that's a big difference in the presidencies. And I, I believe that on this issue, Trump was clearly right. It's better to keep your thumb on Iran than to try to make a deal with them, and particularly when you have to use Russia as the go-between. Congressman King, you know, the, tell the world about the Revolutionary Guard. You're well familiar with them, correct? No, they are absolutely uh, vicious, brutal, and one of the greatest things that Donald Trump did was killing Soleimani. But you mentioned how Biden said he wouldn't have done that. Also, as I recall, when uh, President Obama ordered the uh, a, a killing of uh, bin Laden, Joe Biden was one of the only people in the cabinet who objected to that also. What did Bob Gates say? John Katsimatidis, what did he say? Don't underestimate the... Uh, no, that was how Secretary Gates served uh, eight presidents. And he said, uh, don't uh, underestimate the ability in all eight presidents for Joe Biden to screw up foreign policy. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. I have to correct. I no. have to correct. Tell me, no. tell me. Was that, that, was, it was Obama. that was Obama. That was Obama. That was Obama. No, 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 no. no. Gates. Secretary Gates said that. About foreign no. policy. And then Obama said uh, something else. He only said uh, about once. He only said that once. Correct the uh, record, Michael. Okay. Uh, Gates, what Robert Gates said was that Joe Biden had been wrong on just about every foreign yes. policy yes. and national security yes. issue for four decades. Four decades, 40 years, yeah. And then yeah. Ba- yeah. Obama went on to say what, Michael? Uh, never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F it up. <laughs> there you go. Now we have a clean record. <laughs> you just can't make this you stuff can't, you up. Can't you can't make this up. And, like and, and, we made this, and we made this guy president of the United we States. We didn't make him president. Apparently 80-something million people I, Michael, made him, but I, I wasn't one of them. Half sincerity and half, half just. Do we have an administration that's really the Manchurian candidate here? Well, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm somewhat reluctant to say that myself, but because I think the implications, A, we have no real evidence. We have no connection between the fact that Hunter Biden got all this money from these foreign governments, China and Russia included, and Joe Biden uh, treat, treats them with kid gloves. We have no evidence that there's a connection there. But I think Donald, P, Donald Trump was impeached on less evidence uh, than that. Uh, less than zero. So I, I think that there is a cause, there is reason to be concerned that Hunter Biden has entangled the Biden family with all of these different oligarchs, with all these communist governments, uh, and they know. That President Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, they know everything that the Bidens, how much money they got from China and Russia, and what they did for the money. And that is, I think, the most concerning thing. The American people don't really know, thanks to uh, Facebook and Twitter and the New York Times and CNN, et cetera. Uh, the New York Post reporting on these issues was was canceled during the election. And a lot of people said, uh, 8% in one poll, that they would not have voted for Biden had they known this information. So there is still this great well of of knowledge, of events, of facts, of associations that have not been fully explained. 
Uh, I mean, and don't Joe Biden has only ever said publicly that I never discussed my son's business with him. Well, we know that's a lie. We know it's an absolute lie. There's documentation that he he met with people who had hired his son and met with a guy from Burisma. We know that he met with uh, Devin Archer. He played golf with Devin Archer, who was uh, Hunter's friend. He met with Tony Bobolinsky. Well, Michael, on that, this is speaking on that note, do you think there's a chance that Hunter Biden could be indicted? I would think that if it were any other individual, it would be 100 uh, percent. Will... Merrick Garland had the nerve to indict the son of the president and his boss. Uh, it's, it's a big it's a big event, but there are so many tentacles to this story. And, you know, there are two ways to read that New York Times piece last week there where they authentic. They said they now can authenticate some of the emails. I mean, thank you very much. You know, if you had, if <laughs> 18 you had months, job, 18 months later. Exactly. Uh but then the question becomes, what about all the other emails that are in there where where uh, Hunter is holding 10 for the big guy who's going to get the secret 10 percent cut? Is that legitimate? Now, Tony Bobolinsky, who was the CEO of that joint venture, says it's legitimate because his name is on it. He was one of the recipients of that email. He said he met with Joe Biden about these things. So, now, if, if it was Donald Trump, they want all the checking accounts, they want all the bank accounts. Why can't we get them all? Well, that's right. And Bob Alinsky went to the FBI with his information. Again, far more than anything ever had on Donald Trump. So it just does seem to me, to back to Richard's original question, that Joe Biden is on thin ice with this stuff. And it's a could break any day that we could hear uh, something from the grand jury. Somebody could say something to the grand jury and then go public. But there just seems to be a lot of things about Joe Biden's connection to his son's business that is certainly worth pursuing. If the son is indicted, I mean, just I, I hate to do this, interrupt myself, but just think the lawyer for one of the Biden uh, businesses, Hunter Biden, said that he moves money back and forth between Joe's account and Hunter's account. Hunter said to his own daughter in an email, I won't make you give you half my salary as my father does. So if, if that's right, if he's paying Joe Biden while he's earning this money from around the country with these, uh, these oligarchs around the world, isn't Joe Biden also guilty of whatever Hunter's guilty of in some way, if it's money laundering, if it's failing to register as a foreign agent, um, if it's a tax issue, isn't Joe Biden also facing some of the same scrutiny? Uh, it seems to me legally he should be. Michael, I said it to O'Reilly before. I said, if China, Russia and Iran got to pick the president of the United States two years ago, they couldn't have done a better job than Joe Biden. I mean, they even got, what, 51 intelligence experts to lie, and they're refusing to acknowledge that they were wrong or that they lied. I mean, this five this, CIA directors. Yeah, this is just totally, such a widespread. Totally and absolutely shameful. By the way, one of the Post, the Washington Post and the New York Times giving back their prizes. I'm waiting for right. that. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump wrote a letter to the Pulitzer asking for that. Yes, he did. He did. Right, right away, he did. Yeah, I mean, no, Donald Trump couldn't even take an Uber and not if he didn't have the receipt for it, he would have been indicted. Never mind this. Yeah. Well, thank you, you know so what, much. John, can I just say quickly oh, yes, about please. John's point about the, the, the axis of the new evil empire? If they had picked, how do we know they didn't? Ooh. <laughs> we don't just know. Saying. Yeah, I mean, just saying. Just saying. And knows? we've said this many a times. We're not going to use the T word on this show. But it rhymes with reason. The T right. word, <laughs> as we always say, we always say, but it raises substantial concerns. Substantial concerns. Runs with freezing. And we worry freezing. about our, everything uh, uh, President Biden has done is. has uh, helped uh, other the, countries, the other em the evil empires of the world, mm -hmm. and has hurt the American citizens, the poor, and the middle class. And he just keeps getting richer and richer. How does that happen? Right hmm. from the pipeline forward. Yep. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Michael Goodwin. We could talk to you for oh, the entire hour, but we have to go to a break. They're waving at us. And we to come go to a back break. with Bert Flickinger. Yes, and talk and about. He's going to talk about consumer uh, 
uh, pricing. And maybe we have to buy our Oreo cookies soon. Otherwise, They're bad for you, though. Well, well wheat thins. They're putting less sugar in it. They're yep. saving money on the, the <laughs> white sh- stuff in between the And they're shrinking them So Oreo is a health product now? Is <laughs> I like the Trader Joe's junk- Dunkers. Those are my favorite. Okay. In milk. Thank you so much, Michael Goodwin of the New York Post. Again, your two columns. Joe Biden's Iran plan is a total disaster. And the New York Times uh, hates to say that the Post told you so. And you definitely told us so. Thank you, Michael Goodwin. We'll be back with Burt Flickinger. John Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. On the line for us right now is Bert Flickinger. He is the leading, what would you say, pricing economist in well, the country? Consumer Reports. Consumer Reports. Consumer Products. Well, how would you say in a broad term? I mean, my sister was like, that guy is really smart. He knows everything there is to know about inflation and about groceries and pricing. And I said, yep, that's John's friend. Bert Flickinger, I want to know how much they're shrinking the Oreo cookies. <laughs> That's what you want to know. You can't have them anyway. John, you're right. The Oreos shrunk in terms of the number of ounces per size, the amount of uh, cream in between the, the They're cookies. putting less cream in between the uh, – between the. is that racist? Less <laughs> like, white cream in between the two black uh, cookies? <laughs> John, tw- 20% less cream and 150%. The prices are 150% today versus what they were two years ago. Unbelievable. This and what? How how high will prices go? Well, when tell us about end? the rest of the yes. pricing in in yes. the grocery stores because I advise my friends go out and and stock your shelves because if they're going to go up twelve to twenty percent, you can get a better return buying the food than you can in the stock market. John, you're completely correct. Uh, buy uh, buy buy uh, refrigerated, frozen, and and uh, pantry fruit. And, and buy as much, to your point, as you can keep at home because your listeners and consumers are going from double jeopardy to triple jeopardy. They went double jeopardy first, uh, one, uh, lack of food, two, the greedy brand companies cutting promotional allowances, three, supply chain problems that never existed be- before last year. And now the Bloomberg Fertilizer Index is reporting that fertilizer prices for the farmers and food production are the highest in history because so much of the fertilizer comes from Russia, Belarus, and the Ukraine, which also is the grain belt uh, for the world and the breadbasket for the, for the world. So, John, you're right. Uh, the food prices, even though they're up 40% over a two-year period, 21% over the last year, they're going to go up uh, be- between Easter Sunday and Labor Day, another 12 to 20%. Uh, tell us about the various manufacturers. What do we have to look out for? Uh, you know, I know me and you over breakfast talked about Nabisco and Oreo cookies. What else? John, people should forget about the branded cereal millers, uh, Quaker Oats Division of PepsiCo, uh, Kellogg General Mills. They should buy Multimeal Post or, or private label uh, own brand products in, in your stores. And if they're not near a Gracidis or D'Agostino, uh, any, anywhere from uh, Winco to Wakeford uh, ShopRite to Stop and Shop uh, and, and uh, uh, Publix uh, in the south, the Woodman's in the north, because uh, private label is as good or, or better than the national brands. And national brands have been price gouging with impunity for 25 years with no oversight for the Federal Trade Commission. And the Federal Trade Commission has allowed far too much concentration of acquisitions of uh uh, cereal millers and food and beverage companies buying one another out, taking out uh, capacity, taking out inventory, and taking up prices. So it's prejudice against poor people. It's prejudice against working people. It's the proverbial uh, Eddie Grant, uh, Electric Avenue, working so hard like a soldier, can't afford a thing on TV, can't afford to feed the kids, can't afford to pay the rent, and getting evicted uh, uh, across America more than ever before uh, for just uh, no fault of anybody's, but uh, you're, you're going from inflation, which was uh, completely in control uh, for 40 years to completely out of control the last 40 months, Bert, especially the last 14 months. Bert, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. I want to ask you a question. What's your view on the White House claim that the inflation is caused by uh, Biden's strike that by Putin's war on the Ukraine? Uh, to paraphrase John Judge. To your important question, 
in 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 Washington, uh, common sense is very uncommon. This was not co- this was internal self sabotage of uh, raising prices across the U.S. and Canada to punish consumers with impunity, uh, punish the labor unions that we all know and love, punish the American workers even if they're not in labor unions, we all know and love. Uh, crush their families economically, make it unaffordable to send their kids to community college or college. And it was uh, completely self-manufactured in the Beltway, and it uh, has nothing to do with overseas. And it's the seven P's of Procter & Gamble. Prior proper planning prevents per- particularly your P-poor performance. And that's uh, what's happened with foreign policy, in my professional view, as an independent. And that's why we're facing these problems. And it's not because of Vladimir Putin, who's a, sm- a small piece in the worldwide energy supply. It's because uh, the and I do a lot of work in solar and sustainable energy and all energy, full disclosure. But it's the Solyndra greed and, and uh, uh, the, uh, the Sierra Club and everybody who's well-intentioned, uh, but well-intentioned has had some really regrettable consequences putting Americans in the poorhouse who were viable and, and had uh, good living standards and good living wages before this. And even with uh, living wages, uh, they, they can't afford to feed the kids. Bert Flickinger, here's what we think. Here's what we think of Biden blaming Putin for the inflation. They're full of crap. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, fill up the, Bert Flickinger, let's let our, all our uh, consumers fill up the coverage because whatever and fill you up get, the freezer free, fill, fill up the freezers because whatever you're going to pay a month from now is going to be much more i see them i do the grocery yeah. shopping every week and i see mostly elderly people they're just shaking their heads the juice is like five bucks a half you know for a half a gallon and the milk and everything we're talking like 50 cents more and people that are on fixed incomes it's really heartbreaking it is it's so heartbreaking because it didn't need to come to this but thank you so much Bert, Bert Flickinger thank you Bert and we'll catch Lydia, up again real soon you're right heartbreaking and the, and the best way to save is is buy more food because uh the the price price today will be 20 percent lower than the price during the summer well thank you so much Bert and we'll catch up again soon yes sir thank you take care now on the line we have uh Chris McGrath he is the former president of the Nassau County Bar Association and Congressman King you know uh Mr. McGrath correct I'm I'm privileged to know Chris for quite a while he's an outstanding lawyer just a great guy and uh, a real community activist Chris great to have you on Thank you Peter good to good to talk to you What do you think's happening with the Supreme Court nominee where do you see that going So I think it's going to go as expected um you got a little preview today from where the Republicans are going to go. First and foremost, they're going to treat this candidate and all candidates with respect and dignity, which the Democrats did not do uh, with the Republican nominees. Second of all, you got a little preview from Senator Hawley from Missouri as to where their focus is going to be. And the focus is going to be really on two big points. One, this judge is too lenient on sex offenders. When she's had the opportunity to follow the federal guidelines, She has chosen not to and gone much less in terms of her sentencing. And the second thing that he's going to focus on, I think, is the Guantanamo Bay detainees. You know, Guantanamo Bay was started after 9-11, and President Biden has said he's closing it. He hasn't told you what he's going to do with the people who remain there yet, but he's closing it. And he's starting to release bad, bad people out of Guantanamo Bay. So this judge was a public federal public defender there who represented some nominees, which was her job, and that's that's okay. But where his focus is on, it looks like, is that when she went into private practice, she continued the representation of these people, and I think they're going to talk to her about that. And then, of course, the last step <clears throat> is going to be the high-profile affirmative action case involving Harvard University, and they're going to press her on recusing herself from that since she's a current member of the Board of Overseers, and she's got a real history at Harvard Law School, more than just going to school there. Where do you see that going, Chris, as far as having to recuse herself? Why would she have to do that? No, no, I'm saying, do you think she will? I do think, I think she's going to have to. You can't be on the Board of Overseers at the time you're elected to the Supreme Court. She's a member of the Harvard Club. She's the former director of the Alumni Association and the Harvard Black Alumni Society. And her, one of her kids is going to be a freshman at Harvard. It's going to be hard for her not to recuse herself in a case involving Harvard University. 
Yeah, I would think so. It would be interesting how she answers that, though. That'll, that'll be tough. But what about there is talk that she supports critical race theory? Have you heard anything yeah, about you know, that? I don't I don't know anything about that. And I don't think I don't know if that's even going to be brought up. I didn't hear that today um, at all. OK, well, thank you so much, uh, Chris McGrath, again, the former president of the Nassau County Bar Association, for giving us that update on Ketanji Brown Jackson, Biden's uh, SCOTUS nominee. It sounds like uh, she's the perfect candidate for the Biden administration. Use the word Supreme Court nominee. Half the people don't know oh, what the word SCOTUS is. That's right. Supreme that's right. Court half, the lawyers, the, half the lawyers know SCOTUS Supreme is. Court of the United States. Well, Chris yeah. McGrath knows. We know that. Yeah, yes. don't he knows everything. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you, Chris you McGrath. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, let's take a break. And when we come back. We're going to find out what the heck is going on in the streets of New York and, and with one is, tough cop. is Albany going to surrender nope. and is there armor cracked or are we going to have safe streets? You know, and we have Bo Deedle. Let's uh, let's take a break first. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Cassimatidis Cats at Night show. And, you know, this is live radio. And when the head of counterterrorism here in New York City calls, you pick up the phone. We have on the line with us right now, John Miller. How are you, sir? How are you, Commissioner? Deputy Commissioner. Nearly perfect. How are you? Good. John, we haven't talked in a while. Tell us what the heck is going on. Is Albany going to finally uh, have our citizens be safe in our streets? Well, we'll have to wait and see what Albany does. But, you know, one of the problems we're facing in a weekend where we had 29 shootings um, is that there is a real uncertainty um, that when people are arrested or charged with a crime that they're going to face any kind of consequences, swift or otherwise. I mean, you know, we made 4,500 gun arrests last year and only about 100 of those cases Um, ever got through the court system, that means that basically 90% of those people from the open gun cases from 2021 are walking around the street and have faced no consequences. That's a problem. So the good news is... uh, Commissioner, Deputy Commissioner, I I got 790 on my SAT test on math. That's 98%. Yeah, so that's a problem. Now, the good news is that, you know, it depended on the borough. For 2021, if you look from, you know, Brooklyn to the Bronx to Manhattan to Staten Island, um, different boroughs range between 80 and 90 percent of people who were either out on bail, which according to the law had to be the lowest possible bail, um, or or were released on their own recognizance. So, you had between 10 and 20 percent of people who might have actually had bail set or been remanded to jail. Um, this year, citywide, we're seeing an improvement. So out of people arrested with guns, about 21 percent of them are actually in jail. Um, so that's a that's a step up. Judge Grasso, Richard Grasso, um, uh, who is the administrative judge, has started the gun court, has started fast tracking gun cases. Uh, there's a big backlog, and they're moving through them more quickly. That's another good sign. This was a collaboration between the court system and, and your friend, Richard Aborn from the Citizens Crime Commission, um, who, who suggested this a couple of years ago. So we're starting to see that. We've got the neighborhood safety teams out on the street now um, who uh, made 31 arrests you know, in the last few days, including 10 for guns and, and significant incidents. So there is no rest for the weary. Um, we're, we're amping it up in terms of the enforcement. John, uh, we've made John, more gun arrests than we have in a quarter century. John, this is Pete King. Always good to talk to you. Uh, hey, Congressman. How are you? Very good. When do you expect the full uh, implement in, uh, implementation of the anti-gun unit? So the training is the key. Uh, right. We've got uh, about 40 people we can train in the class. Uh, so... We've got uh, 180 or so who have come through the training. We probably want to get this up to just below 500 people. So we've got 25 commands done. We've got five commands that we're scheduled to have in the next couple of weeks, and then um, probably reaching a total of about 34 for these highly specialized units. So it's not going to be long um, because you want every command to have – you know, most commands you want to have two teams, probably one on the 4 to 12 and right. then another on the midnight to 8. 
Judge? Commissioner, it's, uh, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. I was somewhat heartened last week when I saw Governor Hochul is now said as part of the budget process, she wants to get through some of the bail reform issues, the situation of taking the age down from 18 to 16, the discovery rules that have hampered effective prosecution. What do you say about this? Well, I say it's perfectly appropriate. Um, the changes that um, that were made to the criminal justice system, were, which were sweeping, were dropped into a budget bill um, with very little consultation to the rest of the criminal justice system, um, and then, ironically, weren't funded in the same budget bill, despite the extraordinary cost of the requirements. So if they can fix it in the upcoming budget bill, uh, that would be a positive. It's absolutely essential, and I still talk to my colleagues from Supreme Court as well as criminal court. They say it's absolutely essential that they have the ability to hold people in on bail, that they have the discretion based on dangerousness. I think that's effective law enforcement. Well, we're the only state in the nation that, that where the judges are not allowed that discretion. And, in fact, some of the discretion that they used to have has been dialed back. Good. Commissioner, we got about 15 seconds. What's your last word to New Yorkers? My last word to New Yorkers is to quote the police commissioner of the city of New York, Keyshawn Sewell, who says, we will never give up on this city. We will never give up on this fight. Um, Those cops will be out there, laser-focused and engaged every day. And from my experience with us, you will be a great commissioner. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless the NYPD. And uh, God bless New York. And uh, we need America we need God's blessing. And thank you, uh, Judge Weinberg. Thank you, uh, uh, Congressman King, Lydia Serrani, Commissioner Miller. Thank you so much. And uh, God bless America. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.